you see, I really struggled with which which segment to put first this time. Uh, this being the first episode, you know, I always get the urge to just go with Uncanny X-Men since that is like the flagship of this entire family of books. But I don't think you could do it any other way than just by going with X-Men Volume 2 Number 1 to launch this show. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person to have with me than uh, my buddy Jody, who uh, he and I have a little bit of a parallel uh, <laughs> parallel fandoms <laughs> when it comes to the X-Men here. Uh, somehow we both have the same first issue, a very random issue, not a, not a particularly important one, but uh, we both have the same origin with the X-Men and, uh, and with this very title. So I thought it would be great to have him alongside to uh to go through this issue uh, how, how you doing this month jody i'm well how are you chris oh hanging in there doing very well here uh you want to fill folks in uh, I, I mean i've given my secret origin with the x-men <laughs> many many times on this channel so uh, how about how about you share uh how you uh, were introduced to this uh this family of titles well um on one of your uh, recent uh, uh is that what it's is that what it's called? Remarvel. Your other, yes, Remarvel. Um, you were giving your history of the X Men, and you would happen to mention that your first issue of X Men was, as you just said yourself, a random issue of X Men. It was X Men number thirteen. Yep. And to hear that blew my mind because that was also my first issue of X Men. <laughs> and like you said, it's just a random issue. I believe it's what part two. Part and two, two of that hazard story. story. Yeah. The hazard story. Boy, God, that landmark <laughs> X-Men villain uh, yes. hazard. And I, I had heard that and I I had to get a hold of you and say, you know what? That <laughs> that you know, forgettable issue was also my first issue. I had um picked that up. Uh we had a uh at our our Walmart was was new at the time and mm-hmm. our toy section had a I don't know, 10 or 12 issue rack that was thrown on the end of a end cap with sure. uh, various like Marvel, probably some spawn, some like image stuff in there. But that happened to catch my eye because I believe at the time, uh, I think maybe X-Men, the animated series was, I think we're thinking 92. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it was brand Might have been in the Milu, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you figure, well, we'll get to it. But if this, uh, if X-Men 1 came out in uh, August of 91, that would stand to reason that uh, X-Men 13 came out in September of 92, which would, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, be the launch of uh, X-Men the Animated Series. And that was Just about. enough to get me on board, had all the familiar characters on the cover. And uh, that is the most that anybody has spoke of X-Men 13 in <laughs> probably 25 years. Until until a few months from now. When we're, when we're <laughs> yeah, <there>. exactly. <laughs> you know, Hazard, uh, such a weird character. Um really like really tickled my interest because like there was like this weird feeling that he was more important than he actually was yes like they they tied him in with like xavier's past and uh, yes they just made him seem like the most important villain in the world and uh i don't think we saw him again until like mike carey brought him back for like a one-off in x-men legacy Wow, uh, he was just gone for decades after this. <laughs> they just didn't have any idea with this guy. I didn't even know he ever came back. So this is he all did. to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that uh, there was that X Men when X Men changed its name to X Men Legacy. 
uh, Mike Carey started bringing back like some weird characters, and and among them well, it was Hazard <laughs> of all people. This, <laughs> I want to say this is probably like 2009-ish, so that's oh. a heck of a long uh, shelf life for poor. Yes. I, I don't remember Hazard's real name, but poor Hazard. <laughs> So, so yes, that was my first issue, and I was a regular. I was buying anything I could get my hands up on until Age of Apocalypse, which ended up being kind of my uh, swan song for a little okay. while. Okay. And I, over the years, what's that? It's been almost 25 years at this point. I have ducked yeah. in and out at various times. Uh, I remember um, X-Men 100 when Claremont came back, the, the 12. That's, mm-hmm. That storyline brought me back. <laughs> Don't ask why, but that brought me back, <laughs> albeit briefly. And uh, there have been a couple times, uh, you know, um, Jason Aaron's run uh, was a schism. I came back for that, sure. I think, and I've ducked, just ducked in and out. And uh, currently I am out, but I am all in on uh, what you're doing here and uh, this, this yeah. X-Men Blue number one, Absolutely. As, as some of us would call it. I think a lot of us would call that that, call it that. Yes. Uh, Now, this book came with uh, several covers and uh, something I'm asking all of my co-hosts is uh, back in the day, which X-Men number one cover was the one that darkened your doorway? Well, the cover I had and this is the cover. It's the only one I have. And it's the one that I've read for uh, tonight's show is cover a the. Really? um, Yes, I am a cover A guy with Beast, Storm, Jean Grey, and uh, Professor X. Why do I have this cover? Uh, it wasn't by choice. I would say, <laughs> I, like I said, my first issue was 13. I believe, if memory serves, I got this probably, probably, I'm going to say for maybe like my 12th birthday, which would be like okay. 1993. And mm-hmm. I believe my grandmother got it for me from like a comic book store if memory serves i believe my grandmother got it for me and that's awesome (laughs) i was okay with that absolutely i i think cover i think cover a is a i don't think that's going to be the popular one Um, no no yeah because i I think uh there's one that uh that is more popular and we're not talking about the gateway one just yet but uh (laughs) but i you know while on the subject of variants um there was another book that launched just a couple months before this one. Uh, had a, a man with very broad shoulders on the cover named Cable, and uh, that book came in a poly bag with an assortment with one of I think five or six trading cards. Do you happen to remember which card came with your X Force number one? Uh, am, am I mistaken? Was there a Gideon card or am I? Sunspot am I and friggin' Gideon. That's my okay. card. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that was my card. Because, <laughs> boy, that's a, that's a... That's the dud. Yeah, that's the dud. <laughs> yeah, I, there was a Cable. There was a Deadpool. There was an X-Force. Um, there was a Shatterstar. And there was a Sunspot and friggin' Gideon. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely... The dud stands out, for sure. Um, <laughs> now... This is the book we're going to start everything with. This is X-Men Volume 2, number one. And uh, how, how about you get us right into the credits of this bad boy? Because this is a big sure thing. Um, oh, sure thing. Uh, X-Men number one uh, with head in October 1991 cover date. And our story today is called Rubicon. The writer is Chris Claremont. Pencils by Jim Lee. Co-plotted by both. With inks by Scott Williams. Letters by Tom Orachowski. Colors by Joe Roses. 
Assistant Editor, Suzanne Gaffney. Editor, Bob Harris. Ooh. <laughs> Editor-in-Chief, Tom DeFalco. And Andy Davis as Alice. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this baby is about a double sized issue. It was has a dollar fifty U.S. cover price, dollar eighty Canadian, and eighty p U.K. Mm-hmm. And according to Mike's Amazing World, the on sale date was August thirteenth, nineteen ninety one. Now, first things first, before we get started, Chris, I have to ask, <laughs> how old were you? 1991 i august 13th 1991 and what were you what would you have been doing at this time i was 11 years old and uh i started junior high school in september Uh, of 1991 so i was probably uh really nervous about that (laughs) at this point (laughs) um i'm sure i was i know i was going to the comic shop because i was actually at the comic shop the day this book came out and the dude behind the counter was like saying, hey, you need to get this because this is like the big thing going on. And I didn't buy it because I, I had an ElfQuest book to buy. So I bought that instead. And, uh, and it was a back issue, so it didn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, I was there, but I, I wasn't in and uh, really didn't have any kind of working knowledge of the X-Men. Um it wasn't until Magic Number Thirteen where I where I, <laughs> where I fell in and uh, needed to know everything after that. How about well, yourself? Well, much like yourself, I well, I wasn't even in the comic book store yet. I had uh, uh, when I was a smaller kid, my parents would go to a local um, a, a local drug store to buy cigarettes <laughs> because that's what you do when you go to the drugstore. And uh, (laughs) um, they'd go and get cigarettes and I would pick up occasional, oh, usually anything with Batman or DC. I was more of a DC guy. But by 1991, I was all into baseball cards. So at this point, I would not really have found my uh, comics calling for another summer. That would be with the Eclipso, the Darkness Within mini or uh, crossover from DC. You know, that seminal, seminal work that... uh, you know, it's just beloved today. Still. That made me think Eclipso was the most important villain in DC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a big deal. He's so, huge. Um, so no, at this point, it would be it would be mostly baseball cards. And I can tell you, just yesterday, I found a home movie that would have been taken. Uh, my birthday would be about two weeks after this, my tenth okay. birthday. So. I found a, a videotape of my tenth birthday, and I can tell you, um, I really needed a haircut. And I was way into Dick Tracy, and I had uh, received twenty eight dollars for my birthday, so hey. pretty good day, pretty good Absolutely. day. Absolutely, and it doesn't I, get much better for a ten year old. No, no, I told the camera, I said everybody has a price for the twenty eight dollar man. <laughs> Did you laugh? Did you do the laugh? Yes, and then a friend tried to choke me out and take the money. <laughs> joke choked me out, it just uh, as a joke, but yeah. <laughs> now, as mentioned, this book came with multiple covers here uh now yours cover a as you mentioned had storm beast gene archangel and professor x on it uh cover b had colossus rogue gambit and psylocke cover c the good one had wolverine cyclops and iceman cover d probably this is the one that's weird because uh back in the day nobody wanted this one because it's just magneto but it seems like in the years since people like really like this one I don't know why, because it's just Magneto. But uh, mm-hmm. but cover E 
is the same as cover C on the front, but the whole thing is a wraparound. So you, this whole thing makes a giant puzzle, like a long, stretched-out puzzle. So that's what cover E is, and that's a that's a book that I didn't get until probably like three years ago. I got it in a dollar <laughs> bin. I, I always wanted it, but I never had it, and I finally yes. I finally found it. It's like okay, I'll take it for a dollar. <laughs> My best friend uh, Travis, he had he had the cover E. And he really? had gotten it from a, oh, I'm not sure if you remember it. I believe it was like Wal- a lot of your big box stores, Walmarts, Kmarts, mm-hmm. had like these clamshell hard case comic packs that you could get sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And he, they, there was a Morbius pack. Uh, there was a Nomad pack, you know, okay. all the biggies. Sure. And he had managed to pick up cover E in a pack like that. And, oh, my, I was so jealous as a kid because oh, he, he had the... Bag fancy cover you know my just had the the regular old crappy cover with <laughs> gene gray on it and uh he you know he had this fancy cover that was totally different so i've always coveted that and uh much like yourself i well you've you've had yours for three years and i'm, I'm still waiting on the day one of these days you'll get one, one of these, of these days. days i'm gonna i'm gonna make it after all and, <laughs> and the bad thing is i paid i think i'm sure i paid five dollars for the back in the early 90s (laughs) but uh now we open the story and uh how about you how about you start us off sure thing our journey our journey begins uh, in on the dark side of the moon as we find ourselves in the middle of a hot pursuit between two unknown cruise ships one of which is desperately looking for asteroid m the space headquarters of magneto both ships get more than they bargained for as Magneto finds them and mm-hmm. blows up both ships. He tells <laughs> both parties that they can screw up Earth as much as they please with pollution and war, but he just wants to be left alone. No, a crew it's... member, the yellow-suited ones being chased, pleads for her life as Mags tells her he has no intention to kill anyone as it will only lead to more unwanted visitors. She then tells Magneto that it was him they came to find, and she and her crew are mutants and have come to pledge their undying loyalty to him. Magneto says he's done with that bit as the woman shouts that they need him now more than ever. It's it's interesting here, Magneto being the rational, level-headed sort of guy here. He doesn't want any trouble. He wants to... <laughs> He's like the Hulk. He wants to just be left alone. Uh, <laughs> we hop back to Earth. We cut to Star City Cosmodrome, and uh, not that Star City. Uh, the combined Soviet equivalent of uh, Cape Canaveral and the Houston Space Center, albeit with likely probably a lot less tourists. It looks pretty barren. Uh, we learn that the mutant crew who were seeking Magneto actually hijacked their shuttle, and the crew close behind them were sent by S.H.I.E.L.D. So they weren't together. S.H.I.E.L.D sent them to uh, to follow these folks who hijacked to find Magneto. Now, we also learn that the Soviets know that it was Magneto who caused both of them to go boom because it just so happened to happen directly over Soviet airspace. Now, Soviet Union was uh, what we used to call Russia back in the day. Um, <laughs> I, re- I remember, and I mean, this is the stupidest thing in the world, but uh, when when East Germany and West Germany combined to just be Germany... I was annoyed that my globe was out of date. <laughs> I mean, talk about like missing the forest for the trees, right? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, now I need a new globe. Didn't realize that, hey, all these people are now liberated and free and happy. It's like I was just concerned that I had an out-of-date globe. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's the best. <laughs> no. no, the Soviets had hoped that Asteroid M had been destroyed a long time ago. Um, I don't remember the last time Magneto was on Asteroid M, but the last time we saw Magneto in the X-Men books was during a, a story that took place in the Savage Land about a, about a year earlier. Um, and it was like, you might know it from the cover where like he and Rogue are like standing there kind of like in a side embrace. Yes, I think I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly iconic uh, cover, and uh, that's kind of where the seeds of like the Magneto Rogue romance were kind of planted. Um, now, this is of course comic books, so we uh, we should know better than that uh, that the, the you know the asteroid M is still out there, and so the Soviets have enacted stage one of what they call the Magneto Protocols. And they have like this like big screen with like a like a picture of Magneto on it, but he's in like his old costume, which is pretty funny. He's uh, that one where he has like giant M on his chest. Yeah, like he's Laverne and Shirley, and he's got a monogram <laughs> on his chest. So we, uh, hey, 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 that's my shirt. What he's doing. Yeah, we can identify him. Yes, yeah. he's putting his, you know, he's with the rest of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. He's like, hey, Toad, that's my shirt. Give that back to me. <laughs> It's got the big M on it. Uh, <laughs> now, we jump all the way across the country, uh, across the, the globe, actually, the outdated globe. We're all the way on the other side. We're in the Oval Office in Washington, D.C., where the president is holding court with Colonel Nick Fury. Now, I got to figure that this is almost certainly George H.W. Bush in the president's chair here, because uh, they even have him say prudent, which is uh, <laughs> which is I, I know Dana Carvey says it when he plays George Bush. So I'm assuming that George Bush had one at one time said prudent. Um, now, the president not wanting Magneto taking up the cause for the mutant terrorists who went looking for him. He also realizes that this entire situation involving American shuttles being destroyed over Soviet airspace could lead to, you know, a pretty bad international incident. Well, Colonel Fl- Colonel Fury thinks it over, and he thinks he might just have a solution. Hmm. Indeed. Hmm. I wonder who. I wonder if that's going to involve. <laughs> we now cut to a town, quote, 40 miles north of New York City, just shy of the Connecticut border, a couple miles down Gray Morgan Lane from the town of Salem Center. Which, guess guess what, Chris? Hmm. It's a real place. Did you know that? You know, I remember being shocked when I found out. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. It was it was in yeah. research for this show. I had no idea. I just happened to look up when they said it was, you know, 40 miles north of the city. I'm like, I'm just going to – I'll do a Google search. <laughs> and um, I will tell you that North Salem, New York, is 50 miles north of Midtown Manhattan, so close enough. Close enough. And uh, the population of North Salem during the uh, – 2010 census was 5,104. That's a bustling community, isn't it? <laughs> North, <laughs> let me give you a couple more facts. About sure. That. North Salem is split into five hamlets, one of which, for the purposes of this story, is Salem Center, a hamlet at the east end of the Titicus Reservoir. The hmm. average income of North Salem, according to the 2011 census, was 157,258. <laughs> so you know i'm gonna guess most of the most of harry's was it harry's hideaway is harry's that, hideaway uh, harry's hideaway yep. not not them, not them. <laughs> <laughs> um the racial makeup of the town was 95 percent 95.44 excuse me 95.44 percent white 
0.75% African American, 0.08% Native American, which definitely had to be forged. That's him. Uh, it's just him. Yeah. 0.97% Asian and 1.12% from other races and 1.64 from two or more races. Hispanic or Latino of any race were 3.65 of the population. How about that? You know, it's weird. Uh, just hearing the word Hamlet again. Um, <laughs> I, that's I, I went kind to of high... a... Right, that's a, that's a northeast term, right? It is, it is. I, as I went, I went to high school on Long Island, and uh, and I lived in the hamlet of Oakdale. And it's like, what's a hamlet? Well, it's like a town, but sorta. <laughs> um, you know, we jump back to the uh, story here, and uh, we peek inside of a very special school on Gray Malkin Lane. That is the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters for some very special people that we know as the X Men. We jump inside, and Cyclops and Storm are watching on as Banshee, Forge, and Beast prepare a danger room training scenario for Rogue, Iceman, Colossus, and Archangel, in which they must break into the school and, quote, capture Professor X. Now, the real Professor X sits in his study with his, you know, teacher's pet, Jean Grey. I mean, remember, remember Scott Lobdell was talking about uh, how he was really grossed out that other writers kind of tried to make their attraction be a thing. Yeah. 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 That's kind of, yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> a little, a little now, on the icky side, a little bit. Now he ponders all that has happened in the time since he last found himself as like the active leader of the X-Men. And he considers whether his dream of a world where both homo sapien and homo superior can coexist. Now this is referring to a pretty extended period where professor X was not around. Which is one of those things that, when I was reading this the first time, kind of blew my mind. I, I always thought that Professor X was just always there. Um, you know, he he was gone for a long time with uh, the on the Shi'ar you know ships with Lalandra, and uh, you know probably exercising his newly cloned body, which uh, <laughs> could walk and uh, and probably function pretty well uh, compared to uh, what he's doing. It's it's not a bad place to be. No, no. Uh, unless not. unless the star jammers are there, then it it could be better. Yeah, then, then it could be kind of <laughs> divey. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in the danger room, Rogue and Iceman get the better of heat-seeking missiles via the old trick of getting the missiles to follow Rogue right into the missile launchers themselves. The old like switcheroo, you know what I'm yeah. talking about there? Yeah. Uh, this paves the way for a reverse fastball special variation with Archangel tossing Colossus through a window, leading to Professor X's, quote-unquote, Professor X's study. There, he's met by a psychic attack from Jean Grey, who takes him down. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere, a second Bravo team is making their way to Professor X, Wolverine, Gambit, and Psylocke. At the Danger Room controls, Cyclops has them met with some generic mech robots, which even Psylocke thinks went down a little too easy, as Gambit <laughs> slips ahead to Chuck's study by himself. He there finds a hampered Colossus with Jean Grey, whom Gambit then disables with a card blast to the wall behind Jean, knocking her to the ground. Then, in a very 2019 cringeworthy moment, Gambit <laughs> lays a big smooch right on Jean's lips, who then explodes, revealing herself to be just a danger room robot, quote unquote, killing Gambit and disqualifying him from the training mission. Training mission. You know, it's 
I think outside of maybe like Superman 75, I don't think I've seen a comic or experienced a comic that has so many iconic pages and panels as this issue. Like every page up to this point is like just been burned into my mind. Right, right. I hadn't looked at this book in probably 25 years, but there was a lot of that going through the, you know, the generic robots and just blowing up and like you said gambit laying one on gene gray and yeah there's there's a lot of that in this book it's crazy now uh we jump back to the control room and uh cyclops uh, really doesn't seem to mind gambit puckering up on old robot gene and uh well neither does the real gene who uh, enters the scene with charles xavier psych playfully tells gene to remind him to drop a truck on gambit the next time the opportunity presents itself as everyone has a good laugh Wolverine slashes his way into the control room uh, with danger room robots just dangling off him, you know, and (laughs) he was not uh, he was not fooled by the robot versions of Gene and Charles because he's got that, you know, he's got that nose and uh, he proceeds to pop his claws right in front of Xavier's face. (laughs) It's like an inch away from his eyeballs. It's just, yeah, just snicked. Uh, therefore he wins the exercise. Uh, Cyclops is, uh, not too pleased. He thinks uh, it's awful dangerous to be doing what Wolverine did. Uh, Wolverine and Cyclops, they share some tense words, uh, which are, you know, of course the only kind of words that Wolverine and Cyclops ever seem to have with one another. I, I, <laughs> I haven't seen the X-Men movie, but I know that there's one scene where Wolverine does call Cyclops a name, which, uh, kind of informed my decision not to watch the, the X-Men movie. <laughs> We jump to uh, later on, it was still at the X-Mansion. Nick Fury is giving them the scoop on this Magneto situation. Also, the potential powder keg with Russia, because that could get dicey. The team seems somewhat split. We got Rogue actually defending Magneto's decision to blow up the shuttles, because after all, they were invading his territory. I don't know that it's actually, I don't know if Asteroid M is like sovereign land. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, there's, if he's got the deed or anything, but hey, you know, what are you gonna do? Now Storm believes that there's a precedent for giving Magneto the benefit of the doubt because you know he was an ally for a time. Cyclops, as usual, is skeptical. Wolverine chimes in that everyone has shadows in their past and they've all been branded outlaws, and he just chomps on his stogie as he does so. Uh, it's then that Xavier sees both sides of the argument and agrees with Cyclops' proposal to split the X-Men into two strike teams so that they may better respond to any situation. And uh, maybe also command an extra buck out of uh, you know, an 11- or 12-year-old boy's allowance back in the day. <laughs> but uh, but uh, this is the official X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue launch point. So how about that? Yeah, it was, you know, it's really funny because I hadn't, I was just reading through this issue. I had not, I had, like I said, I hadn't read this probably in about 25 years. Sure. And it, just reading through it, it's kind of jarring. I know it's coming. <laughs> That's why yep. we bought the issue, you know? Exactly. It wasn't surprised anybody. But when you see, oh, we're splitting it into two teams, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It does, yeah, and it, yeah, because it's one of those things that was, it was in everything leading up to it. We knew that that was the reason for these books, but, uh, but yeah, just experiencing it now, it's, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, we now, now, um, I am reading from, you were reading from, uh, cover E, right? No, I was, I was actually reading from cover C. Oh, you're reading? I, I, I read, I read both. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, 
<laughs> if you are reading the newsstand version, uh, where we we get to the the <clears throat> excuse me, we get to the staples and we pause for two double page spreads. One involving a gorgeous Jim Lee spread of ex-villains, which we'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. and the other invol- uh, involving an invitation to the Bo Jackson fan club, hey. a.k.a. Club Bo, which uh, <laughs> maybe we'll discuss that a little bit after our story as well. <laughs> we can do. <laughs> uh, back to the story. Our two spaceship crews from the beginning of the issue wake up to find themselves exiled inside Magneto's asteroid M. Chateau, and they pick up right where they left off, right at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. The S.H.I.E.L.D. leader, who we learn is named Delgado, is ready to pound one of the mutant contingents. But before he can, he is called a, quote, flat scan by the Ooh. female mutant we saw earlier. Sick now, Chris, burn, right? Yeah. I, I remember as a kid, flat scan was a term that was used pretty often uh, yeah. by, by the acolytes in these books. I hated it. It's I kind of I, dumb. Could, <laughs> I could not stand it. I, it. I don't know what it was about it, but I remember being like... 12 and just for some reason it really infuriated me it really annoyed me maybe because some of the acolytes are not really that cool to begin with so oh, they're, they're pretty bad yeah they, they should not resort to name calling i guess no no that's a glass houses situation because they are they're some of the worst characters yeah. <laughs> um back to the story uh magneto as they're beginning to argue magneto descends a staircase in which and what has to be a matching silk white robe and pants set with his robe just a kindo chest hair popping out for the delight of his visitors. It's kind of I, it was kind of jarring to read this and just see him like, hey, 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 break it up, break it up. Yeah. He and, looks and he comes, like, yeah, he looks like, oily. He sees stupid, sexy Magneto coming down yeah. the stairs. You know, like does, you could hear like a saxophone in the background, you know? He just comes sauntering in with his robe, <laughs> you know, flailing in the breeze, and his chest hair sticking out. It's it's pretty jarring for uh for for old Magneto. You know, when you say that, I hear the like opening sax to like Rump Shaker. That that sounds <laughs> very smooth, very smooth sax. Absolutely. <laughs> he tells them they are guests in his home and need to basically knock off the shenanigans. Which you mm-hmm. know, uh, if I were them, I'd say we'll knock it off once you you know. Tighten up that that yeah. uh, robe a little Tie bit. That belt, Come on, pal. buddy. Yeah. We are guests here. <laughs> the female who we later from earlier in the story, who we later learn is named Anne Marie, calls Delgado a flat scan, flat scan yet again, and tells him to quote unhand your betters. I just thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Breaking away, she then pleads with Magneto to place the mutant group under his protection, as they've come to Asteroid M seeking sanctuary. Taking issue with that, the S.H.I.E.L.D. member known as Deke guns down Anne-Marie from behind in cold blood. Anne-Marie falls into Magneto's arms, pledging her life to his cause right before she dies. Magneto responds, somewhat stunned, that he has no more cause. So, as we learned earlier, he said... um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a dog in this fight anymore. Yeah, and, I'm and past that even, stage. Yeah. I'm past that stage. I, I don't fight anymore. And here she's getting gunned down right in front of him. And he's still like, nope, it's you're gonna have to do better than that. <laughs> but suddenly he flies into a rage here. He uses Deke's mag- metallic suit against him. Uh, he takes him out. Uh, I, it, it's weird that he might like cause Deke to shoot himself. It's not entirely clear. Um, no, no that's I didn't one get that thing, either looking yeah, at it. 
it's one thing about these like early 90s comics that some of the action is kind of left to your imagination. Uh, <laughs> that's something we're going to be revisiting a, a few times uh, this week. But uh, now, Del- Major Delgado, he apologizes for Deke's actions, but he also defends his right to pursue the mutants. You know, uh, he is an officer of the law and they were sent there for a reason. So they was just doing what they were told. Uh, Magneto tells him he doesn't recognize the law on Asteroid M, and any rights he has are the ones given to him by you know, Magneto, including the right to life, which if he wants to keep, he'd better shut his yap. Now we're introduced to another of the mutant court contingent. The, the, like I think, uh, what is he, Miss, Mr. Douchebag 1991 through 1994 is Fabian <laughs> Cortez. I, this is a guy, just at sight, I hated this guy. Yeah, hated that ponytail, guy. that red ponytail said all, oh, all you needed to know about him. this guy. Now, Fabian, he points out to Magneto that in light of all that has happened, there's going to be repercussions from those on Earth. And if he wants human deterrence to be credible, he ha- it has to be in a way that the, uh, quote, flat scans understand. Meanwhile, back at the school, Xavier is using Cerebro to discover Magneto is entering Earth's atmosphere and that Cyclops needs to get his, quote, blue team. I think that's their first uh, official It's got to be, yeah. Yeah. Blue team ready for action and to the brand new Blackbird consisting of Beast, Rogue, Gambit, Psylocke, Wolverine, and, of course, Cyclops. Hey, the cool ones. That's that's the ones I thought, anyway, back in the day. Oh, you know it. You (laughs) know it. Same here. Same here. It's like, boy, if I if I was picking a team, this would be this would be the first ballot oh, right 100%, here. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We next find Magneto out of his silk jammies and into his classic outfit, hovering over the mid-Atlantic and raising the Leningrad sub from its depths. And I believe that that was uh, was it in Uncanny X Men One Fifty that he had yeah. uh, sunk that sub. That's when he sunk it. Yeah. Wow. It was a, yeah, a little, little aside in the story there. It's uh, and and we're gonna revisit it uh, as we go on here. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's quite a callback. I mean, you figure if Uncanny's at two eighty one at this point, that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's that's over quite ten a years for sure. Yes. Yeah. But this is Claremont still. This is Claremont. That's true. He, he's not gone yet, and he, he is a digger. <laughs> <laughs> As Magneto tears apart the sub, it's inside he finds several nuclear missiles still intact. It's then Hmm. our blue team arrives, asking Magneto just what he's planning on doing here, as Rogue makes a somewhat subtle reference to their romantic past. As he's distracted, the rest of the team approaches from behind in the Blackbird, which is, just reading through this, was kind of ridiculous that they are sneaking up on him in a jet. (laughs) <laughs> they're sneaking up on him in a jet a metal based jet at that on magneto <laughs> great plan yes uh magneto showing he's benevolent just freezes it in place rather than rip it apart and from inside the cockpit b tells cyclops that uh that was probably going to happen but uh <laughs> yeah the, no no i guess nobody bothered to uh listen to uh hank's opinion on that thing as, uh, hey guys guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if this is going to work, guys, but uh, I'll pipe down, pipe down. <laughs> As a blackbird is still held in place by Magneto, B slips out of it with Gambit riding on his back in the battle, which is a pretty cool. You were talking about iconic. Burning oh, absolutely. Scene. That was yep. that was one of them. That's a really neat scene with mm-hmm. uh, 
with uh, Gambit riding on his back. <clears throat> Beast is immediately taken out of action with <laughs> submarine debris. He, I mean, he goes down quick. Quick. <laughs> Gambit notes that Magneto didn't kill Beast, so he charges his cards just enough to stun Magneto, uh, which Turner deflected back to Gambit anyways. It's true. Taking no. him out. <laughs> takes him out uh but this does open up an opportunity for psylocke to jump in and it's now her turn she gets a swift left kick into magneto's head which knocks off his helmet however as she's readying her cyanide knife for the final blow magneto takes her out with some electrified submarine remains magneto stands and asks hey what's wrong with you people why are you why are you insul- assaulting me <laughs> <laughs> Why are you bothering me? <laughs> now, just as Wolverine takes a huge swipe with his claws, uh, Cyclops now landed and out of the Blackbird sees that Wolverine, he wasn't holding back. He is clearly on the verge of a berserker rage. <laughs> Huss. Huss. <laughs> so he sends an optic blast Magneto's way in order to separate them. So he's doing this to, to save Magneto, basically. Now, as Magneto is flung inside that submarine from that blast, he finds himself face-to-face with the horrors of his past actions. You see, he's surrounded by the remains of all the men aboard that he had sent to their doom all those years ago. This reminds Magneto from a scene from the concentration camps of his youth, a thought that is quickly dismissed as Wolverine and Cyclops rapidly approach and they're ready to throw down once more. Magneto tosses Wolverine into Cyclops and flies out of the sub into the sky, bringing with him the nuclear missiles. And once more, he's like, hey, leave me alone. (laughs) I don't want any trouble, says the man with the nuclear missiles. Uh, Now, Rogue, apparently the only one actually listening to Magneto, flies up and talks with him. The rest of the team recoups and returns to the Blackbird, so they're, you know, licking their wounds. Uh, Using tracking, Beast announces that he's managed to locate Rogue and Magneto, and they are currently hovering over, check this out, Soviet airspace. And uh, they're being pursued by Soviet fighter jets. So not a good scene brewing here. Rogue finally catches up to Magneto and admits that, you know what, hey, maybe the X-Men handled this situation wrong. Sorry about that. (laughs) It was a little bit of a bad look. Uh, but that his actions, and not to mention his past reputation, well, they've rightly got everybody a little nervous, a little scared. Magneto tells Rogue that he's tried to change, but people just wind up dead. It's just then that Rogue manages or winds up taking a hit from one of the Soviet jets. Magneto states that the world will never accept their kind, and he saves Rogue from her descent toward the ground. And as he does so, he detonates one of those nuclear missiles. We are next scene. We cut ahead a little bit after he'd caused that distraction. And Magneto has, sometime later, Magneto has returned to Asteroid M. Fabian Cortez, there he is again, informs Magneto that the electromagnetic pulse caused from the nuclear blast has sent older electronic systems across the continent back to the Dark Ages. Cortez then realizes that Magneto is hurt, still bleeding from Wolverine's adamantium claw attack to the abdomen earlier in battle. He's, it's kind of a funny scene. He's just sitting there and bleeding out, and it's just kind yep. of like, hey, he, he stabbed me. He stabbed me. <laughs> kind of like, kind of perplexed, and it's just kind of funny. <laughs> Cyclops, when he's, you know, he's taken aback by Wolverine's brutality in battle, as while Cyclops never fully embraced Eric, 
he thought Wolverine Wolverine was a friend and a teammate yeah. uh, during his tenure with the X-Men. So Magneto begins to wonder why Wolverine has had the change in heart as he begins to cough and spit up blood. <laughs> <laughs> as you do. Cortez lies him down and begins to use his mutant healing power, as we find out he did earlier on a still-alive Anne-Marie, who was mm-hmm. the uh, girl that died in uh, Magneto's arms, and just happens to be Fabian Cortez's sister. Hey, we got a full name for her now. <laughs> One would assume. Anne-Marie Cortez, <laughs> yes. Uh, Cortez tells Magneto that there's no room in the world for both his vision and Xavier's, and for that, Xavier's dream must be eliminated. Such a jerk, this guy. I mean, <laughs> He's really stirring the pot. He is absolutely stirring it up here. Man. Mm. Back on the Blackbird, the onboard sensors are scanning for Rogue to no avail. That is, until Xavier telepathically informs them that he's received a phone call that Rogue has been located and is currently at a hospital in Hammer Bay, the capital city of the mutant island of Genosha. Oh, go figure. Yeah. <clears throat> what a coincidence. She's, she didn't land in Kansas City. She landed in Genosha. Yes. <laughs> She's awoken <laughs> to learn that a cadre of superpowered terrorists are randomly attacking the city, but she doesn't have to look too far for them as the cadre blasts through the wall looking for her. We see that it is the same mutants who sought refuge on Asteroid M, and they are looking for Rogue to join them, either, quote, by their side or by their feet. After a quick no and a swift punch, one of her mutant pursuers swiftly grows in size and strength until he's squeezing her entire body in his hand. She doesn't have long to fret, though, as he's attacked from behind and drops Rogue to the ground. It's the blue team, and Cyclops informs the terrorist cadre to surrender or suffer the consequences. (laughs) One cadre member can't believe they've come to Genosha's aid as mutants were once slaves there, but now things have changed. Fabian Cortez declares the group's crusade for mutant supremacy as we see a big, bulky, sort of thing-looking mutant who we learn can change his density on the attack. And it's going by the name Delgado. What? (laughs) (laughs) Beast wonders aloud if it's the same Delgado who was taken capture by Magneto, while Wolverine thinks it could be a different guy with the same name, or Major Delgado was working with the mutants all along, or he switched sides, or somebody made him... Basically, he says, "Who cares? Let's just kill him, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later." You know, this this Delgado and the other Delgado—they're actually in the same panel earlier in the issue. I, I hadn't I hadn't noticed that. I thought it was I thought it was the same guy. I'm finding out now that that was not the same guy. That's yeah. that's very odd. I've got to assume that. You know, this is just me spitballing here, but I wonder if at this point in time, Claremont hadn't decided that he left, that he was leaving yet. So maybe this was going to be something. I mean, Wolverine brings it up uh, that it's weird that they have the same name. So maybe this was something that Claremont was planning to reveal. But uh, because I can't think of any other reason why they'd be so lazy about it. Right. So you're telling me there's there's no future payoff to this. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. Well, I mean, in 1997, there will be the Age of Delgado uh, miniseries that, that that pauses the publication of the Xbox for a while. <laughs> no, I, I I I don't think there's any real follow-up to this. I think outside of Fabian Cortez and uh, 
Unision or whatever her name is, and maybe Sanyaka. I don't think we really – I think there's also a melon camp in the uh, Acolytes, but I, I don't know that – I don't know that we actually <laughs> – care about Delgado after this. There's a melon camp? Did he smoke a lot of cigarettes and have a gravelly voice? <laughs> he lived in a little pink Johnny house. Cougar. He lived in a little pink house, so yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, meanwhile, Sadlock is in pursuit of a flying member of the team and realizes that she loves that adrenaline rush of battle and that it might be something of a hindrance for her in the future. Yeah, I wonder if this is more of the... Uh... You know, the darkening of Psylocke uh, mm-hmm. that they're playing with here after her uh, trip through the siege perilous and all that stuff and uh, her abduction by the hand and all that good stuff. Now, elsewhere, Wolverine has cornered Fabian Cortez and uh, he's doing that thing where he's like he's got his fist up to his chin and he's like, you know, I could pop my claws and just put them right through you. You know, he does that thing. He does that a lot. Yeah, he um, did that a lot in the 90s. I liked it when he did like the the the. the the, the left one and the right one, but would leave the right, the middle one in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would like threaten that he could pop that third one. Um, now he's got them all set to, you know, to perforate. Uh, meanwhile, Magneto and a double page spread with a lot of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> Just appears that Magneto comes and he's got all these balloons with him full of words. Um, he declares that while he didn't know or approve his acolytes actions, he's not going to abandon them. In regards to any injuries or deaths caused in the attack on Genosha, he states it was the only it was only island magistrates who were harmed. So, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, in what would uh, perceive as retribution for the pain and suffering that was caused by the Genosha's mutant slavery past. And I mean, the extinction agenda wasn't too long ago. So that was a right. I mean, I don't know. In, in comic book time, it might have been just a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Yeah. If I remember right, it's right before this, right? It Isn't is it like 280. It's it's right. Uh, no, that's the Muir Island saga. It's it's a little okay. bit before that, but not much before that, okay. because it's because uh, it's like the la- it's I think it's like New Mutants ninety five and ninety six, and that only went to a hundred. So yeah, it's very recent, within a year for mm-hmm. sure. Now uh, Magneto declares that uh, he's above the law, which a lot of bad guys say. Um, but you know he's above the law because the laws were created for humans, and he's above humans. And of course they were created by humans, and he's not one of them either. He's seen enough pain and sorrow in his life, and he declares that Asteroid M is a sovereign world, safe from mutants everywhere. They're all entitled to safe haven and under the protection of Magneto and his acolytes. So uh, a whole new, uh, a whole new uh, day for Asteroid M as a uh, as a sanctuary of sorts. Now we wrap this issue up back at Xavier's school. And we see Banshee. He's on the computer searching for Dr. Mora McTaggart in the bowels of her lab. He finds Mora in tears, and she informs him that this terrible thing that's happening is all her fault. Well, I'm glad she's taking I'm glad she's taking uh, ownership of this. <laughs> she ought to. She ought to. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're if you're following any of the current X-Men stuff. Mora is a. Do you say Mora or Moira? I've when I was a kid, I always said Moira. Me but too. But I think it's Mora. I think I it's, think, I think so. it's Mora, but I I always happen to say Moira myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I read X Factor, I called Rain Sinclair Ronnie. So I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the right guy to ask you. But uh, we find out in the uh, in the new like 
uh, what is it, the Powers of X and House of X stuff that uh, Mora is uh, behind a lot of stuff. So it's a, it's interesting. pretty interesting stuff going on. But the next issue is entitled Firestorm, but uh, we're hoping it's a uh, you know not that other Firestorm, you know. Oh, uh, he wasn't boy, by so this great point, this he was, oh, that's the uh, Ostrander run. He'd been canceled about a year before. Not, not good. I read it's a lot of mental, those this summer. Yeah. <sighs> boy, rough, rough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> rough going. But luckily, we don't have to deal with that. We're not dealing no, with that. Not here we don't. No. Um, now, the the uh, there was some back matter here because the, the deluxe wraparound one didn't have any ads. No ads, but it did come with a whole bunch of, you know, back matter, uh, pinups, basically. And uh, they're all by Jim Lee. Go figure. Uh, one, and I think this one actually came in the newsstand one, too. It's called A Villain's Gallery. That, that yes. one came in there? Okay. Yes, that was the, uh, that was that. That uh, was the center. Yeah, that uh, was the staples. center double page spread that I had mentioned earlier. But again, it was broken up by a Bo Jackson ad, so. <laughs> You'd have to pull Bo out. In order to uh, in order in order to appreciate it, but this is a uh, you know a, an assortment of ex villains. We got uh, among them we have Arcade, we got Sentinels, the Hellfire Club, Juggernaut, Toad, Sabretooth, Mesmero, Mister Sinister, the Goblin Queen, Doc Phoenix, Mojo and Spiral, Mystique, Loki, probably due to that Asgard Wars story, uh, the Brood, Cameron Hodge, the Brood. I actually always called them the Broad. When I was growing up, too. That's a, another, another crisp pronunciation. Um, Apocalypse and, of course, Magneto fill up the roster there. And uh, Well, when I look at that list, there's one that sticks out like a sore thumb, and that is Mesmero, who Mesmero. Uh, I had never even heard of, and I did not know who it was looking at the double-page spread. Because I'm thinking uh, he probably hadn't been around since the original 66 issues at mm. this point. Mm-hmm. I, I know he comes back... In of all places, like Alpha Flight Volume Two, the Steven Siegel run, and he, and he plays a decent-sized part in that. But I don't know that we he maybe he showed up like in an X Men Unlimited or something. But uh, that's yeah, I, that, that's a complaint for another day. <laughs> 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 we have another pin up here called A Blast from the Past, also by Jim Lee, and it's just the original five and some older but not original costumes. So it's a, a mishmash of costumes here. Uh, we got Wish You Were Here. <sighs> okay, now, younger listeners may be unaware, but back in the 1990s, the comics industry would regularly put out swimsuit issues. Yeah, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's uh, women, female heroes in skimpy bathing suits. Um, and that, that's kind of what we got here. It's basically the X-Men having a pool party. And a whole lot of skin. Uh, do you have any memories of these uh, swimsuit issues? I do. I will say, as you know, uh, yes, of course I do. Being a 12-year-old boy, yes. <laughs> if I happen to go to the local Walton Books and find that, yeah. I, I think I had the 92, maybe the 92 and the 93 swimsuit issue. But I will say it was not just, it was not relegated to just females. I there remember were, there was uh, like an ex-caliber pinup yeah. that had like a uh, nightcrawler walking around in a pair of shorts, which I thought was kind of <laughs> odd, but we, okay, we've all got our fetishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually came across a uh, wild storm one uh, that I, a wild storm swimsuit issue. Um, Cause I, I, I've seen, I'm pretty sure I have some of the Marvel ones and, and, 
I'm making them sound a lot more, you know, lewd and lascivious than they really are. It's it's, it's innocent stuff. It's it's not like it's not like it's uh, any more revealing than like Psylocke's costume, you know. <laughs> but uh, this Wildstorm one I found, I was gonna cover it on on the blog on Chris's on Infinite Earths because Wildstorm is you know DC adjacent. It, it kind of grossed me out. It came out like probably like 1996, 1997, and mm. it was it was a little bit more uh, mature. <laughs> these marble ones i was gonna joke that the what must be the wildstorm swimsuit issue which they were probably put more clothes on than in the regular issues if you're <laughs> right? talking about like free fall and uh they were always very skimpy yes but this was uh <laughs> this was just it was one of those things that made me feel dirty and it's like i didn't want this on my blog so i'm not gonna talk it. <laughs> now, one cool thing that they do include here, and this was also in the newsstand one, and this is something that comics used to do a lot back in the day when they'd launch a new series or something. They'd give us a look like into the things to come, you know? You want to go through some of the stuff in this image? Sure. Uh, oh, we had a – looks like we are in for a brood story. Mm-hmm. A long shot and Dazzler. We see a shot of them. You're looking Yay. forward to that one. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm a big fan. A, <laughs> uh, a Ghost Rider quest spot. A Weapon X story. And the introduction of a new character who we will know as Omega Red. Mm-hmm. Now, when you see Omega Red here in all his glory, you know, uh, it's weird. Like, sometimes in the price guides, they would consider this a first appearance. Mm. You know, and I think in a few months, we're going to see his coffin. We're going to see his like casket with the Omega sign on it. I think that's an X-Men number four. And I, and I think, I, I think in wizard, they said that that was like an appearance. <laughs> because it <was> a <laughs> casket. So it's, it's one of those weird things where like, sometimes the cameo is the first appearance. Like you go back to like the Wolverine first appearance. Is it really incredible Hulk 180 or 181? Right. You know, it's, it's one of those weird things where you just don't know which one is which, uh, in recent years, I saw some, some, uh, things about cable, because Cable appears like in a blurb at the very end of New Mutants 80. Is it 86? It was the one before he shows up. I think he shows up in 86. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's like in the very last panel of 86, it's like next Cable. And it's a picture of Cable. I'm like, well, is that his first appearance? <laughs> but then it gets it's like, very muddy. It does. It does. It really depends on which whichever book that Wizard had a lot of, I think. If <laughs> Wizard had thinking. if Wizard had a surplus, it's like okay, that's the first appearance because then we can <laughs> sell it. Um, now something that was uh, just in the uh, the wraparound version is a sketchbook, an X Men sketchbook by Jim Lee, with uh, you know rough sketches of some of the new costumes and characters we're going to be seeing. So it's a uh, you know it's pretty neat to have a sketchbook, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have paid more money for it at the end of the day. <laughs> now let me ask you a quick question now yeah. while i'm thinking of it now um like you just said some of these costumes are new and i know you're a big cyclops fan right yes. is he was he he was your guy he was uh, yes which costume do you prefer do you prefer this 90s this costume with this the open one. flowing yes. hair or the or the the, the costume that preceded this this one definitely Me too. i love i love the i love the little belts i love the pouches <laughs> i love that his hair is out um it's it's great and i mean we're gonna we're gonna see the x-men action figures pretty soon here uh in an ad where i mean it's got like three costumes ago cyclops with the dome head you know <laughs> um 
No, this this one is probably my favorite Cyclops costume, followed by probably the one that came right before this in X Factor with uh, Wills Portacio. It was uh his hair was out and it was just like it was light lighter blue with like a white X going across the torso. Those are probably my favorite Cyclops costumes. Uh, in recent years, he's had some of the worst costumes. Oh yes. Uh, oh. It's like oh, that. Not the good. X visor. Oh, that mm-hmm. stinks. Hate it. Hate it. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't like him with the with the with the full head stocking. You know, I like him with the hair out. And uh, yeah, this is definitely my favorite Cyclops costume. How about what what, what is what do you, you know? I, I haven't asked you like. What are your favorite characters in this? What are your favorite? Uh, which which ones stick out? Which ones are the ones you you want to follow? Well, oh boy, circa 1991, 92, mm-hmm. um, when I was first following this, I was all in on Gambit. I was drinking okay. the Gambit yeah. Kool Aid. Sure. That mysterious Cajun. Now, <clears throat> when the th- when the Thieves Guild show up, I'm out. I don't want to see any of that stuff. <laughs> 100%. I don't want Belladonna. I don't want the Thieves Guild. And we're getting so it. It's still, boring. It's, it's yeah. coming up next it's year. Coming up. But yeah, <laughs> it's coming up later in the year. But I don't want any part of any of that stuff. But when no. he's on the team and talking to Rogue, that that's my bread and butter. I like oh, that. Yeah. You know, the Rogue and Gambit relationship that we're going to be getting into here. Some of the I, I was riveted as, as a kid and I haven't you know, I haven't revisited a lot of these in, in many years. So it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how how this stuff aged. Like, I, I know we're going to be, you know, it's it's a while from now, but we're going to have that issue where they go on a date and uh, Rogue almost tells him her real name and he stops her. He stops. He, she's like, she's like, Remy, my real name is. And he's like, no, it doesn't matter. And I, I wanted to rip that page out of the book. Mm-hmm. Like. Like we almost found out. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> oh man, I I was so annoyed. But that 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 was some of the that was some of the greatest stuff in this era. I mean, I, I think folks uh, write this era off uh, post. I mean, we're still in the Claremont era here, but I mean, post Claremont as being somehow lesser than and less uh, more shallow, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think in a lot of ways, and again. This is all from, you know, the vantage point of being a preteen and early teen. This stuff was just fantastic. It was fantastic. I remember you're talking, uh, the issue you were just referring to was uh, 24, 24, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before Fatal the, Attractions. Yes, right before Fatal Attractions. Mm-hmm. And that was the, I had a brief, uh, I had a uh, X-Men subscription. Okay. I had a three-month, like, trial subscription that I got when I, I got an X-Men board game. And that was my last issue. And I still remember opening up my mailbox and pulling mm-hmm. out that issue and seeing that cover of Rogue in his arms. And I was yep. I, I can remember still looking at that now and just being beside myself like, I oh, cannot yeah. wait to get in the house and read this. This is oh, this absolutely. is the greatest. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. oh, that, that, this is a. Uh... This is this is a good book. And I and I, you know, when I was trying to put this together, uh, this has been something that's been jogging in my mind for a long time. And uh, and I always think, you know, since the show is from Claremont to Claremont, that there would be no Claremont in it. You know, I would we, we would be starting after Claremont, but you can't leave this issue out. Uh, this I mean, this three part story that we're going to be covering here, it's the status quo going forward. Right. You know, right. It, it, you need this here. And uh, 
I mean, this isn't an anti-Claremont show. We we love Chris Claremont. <laughs> it's just I didn't discover the X-Men during Chris Claremont's time, so this is right. uh, you know a totally different thing here. But uh, no, this is a this is a fun run. This is going to be a good time here. Uh, but before we cut out, uh, you know, the, there weren't just uh, words and pictures in this book. There were other kinds of words and pictures as well. Uh, do you have any? Uh, you have any? Things that try to sell us stuff. Do you have any of those you want to discuss? Oh, well, this was a double-sized issue. Now, if you're reading the deluxe version, you're not going to get the ads, you lucky oh. dog. But, <laughs> again, I'm reading cover A. So I had, I had all the ads, Chris. I had all the ads. Some were a little <laughs> more interesting than others, but I thought we would give uh, maybe give these a quick rundown. Uh, and sure. the inside of the front cover, we had the... Uh, we had an ad for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure video game. Did, did you happen to have this? I didn't have it, but I rented it, and it is trash. <laughs> it is garbage. Oh, it's awful. awful well, game. I see it's by LJN, so that speaks for itself. That is the seal of quality. Yes. yes. They need to just stick to uh, making uh, wrestling figures and not make <laughs> terrible games. Yes. <laughs> um, we also had an ad for Fleer's 1991 NFL cards, of which uh, I'm sure I probably have uh, quite a few of these floating around in my attic. You you were yeah you were into uh, into the cards here. I you know my father was very much into you know baseball cards, sports cards, and uh, I I always just had they were always just around. Um, I have I, I was actually just digging through the garage uh, last week looking for this is gonna sound so bad. My remember Overpower. Do you remember Marvel the Overpower? The game? Yes, yes, yes. I have never played Overpower in my life, but somehow I have like 5,000 Overpower cards in my garage. <laughs> I, I have I have the entire first set. You know, the it was like something like 500 cards for the set for the deck or whatever, and I have the whole thing. And um, and, and I mean, I was so into collecting these things that like I kept the wrappers. Like, oh I had, my! Like, I had one of each wrapper. So I had like a full set plus because I was ridiculously lame and uh, I was digging through the garage to find them. And I'm looking at the box, the long box right now, the long card box of overpower cards right now. And it's embarrassing as hell. But uh, <laughs> I did come across like something like 30 long boxes of sports cards that I don't remember buying. I don't remember getting, but they're there. <laughs> they just showed up. Yeah, I don't think somewhere. I don't think the elves came and dropped them off there. They, they were bought at some point, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there are some of these in there too. Well, I'm sure they were bought with your future in mind. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> when you decide to part with those, I'm sure you can, you know, you can, you can retire very comfortably because those those early to late '90s uh, sports cards are just. Or even better, like you said, overpower cards, I'm sure, are just worth a fortune. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that, you know, the the, the people lining up at the comic shops right now to play overpower, they're wishing. (laughs) (laughs) I did, you know, I did have, much like yourself, I had the uh, starter, the starter pack. Sure. The the starter deck. I kept all the boxes. Kept yes. all the boxes. How lame is that? I, uh, I had that I bought off a, a co-worker years okay. after the game was relevant anymore because he was just, I don't know, he offered them to me for two or three bucks and felt <laughs> bad for him. So I just went ahead and bought them. But, uh, yeah, I, I've never played my either. And they've got, like, the weirdest, like, it's almost like dollar store versions of the art, kind of. It's, like, <laughs> it's just a little bit off. It doesn't look quite right. 
it's it, it was a rabbit hole for me and it you know on the on a similar thing here i almost fell into the uh, hero clicks when they came out those I, uh, mm-hmm. those called those called me real hard but I, I was able to withstand i was all in on hero clicks chris really? to the point where um i was playing uh right before during the period of time uh before i i got married to my wife and mm. uh she was getting a little hot about it. I was getting a lot of heat from playing them because it was, uh, are, are you planning on getting married or are you going to keep investing money in these hero clicks? And uh, <laughs> I didn't have, to, I didn't want to have to make a choice there. But I will say, uh, I have played a game of hero clicks within the last week. I don't normally play, but my kids are nine and almost six, and mm. they were looking at them and they see the little figures and stuff, and they wanted to bust them out and. Uh, I we we played an impromptu game uh, within wow. the last week, so wow. so you actually you you owned them and used them. Oh yeah, I went to tournaments. I went to tournaments until no I got a real job and had to work on Saturdays. So <laughs> <laughs> so who was your who was your go to team this week? Uh, this week, uh, well you shouldn't ask me because a, a, a five year old beat uh, beat me and beat his <laughs> brother. So I I was coaching him through it, but uh, he he won the game. <laughs> uh, I used Black Adam because he could uh, he had super speed. So Black Adam was uh, one of my go to guys. But I didn't I've, use them this week, and uh, I, I paid, paid the for. price. You paid yes. the price. I, I've I've got I've got one. I have Vartox. I have Vartox's hero click. So wow, that's... that must have been later on. I didn't even know there was a Vartox. Yeah. Oh, there is. There is indeed a Vartox hero click, and <laughs> Collecting I sniffed all the... it out. Well, when you your Vartox merchandise can what begin and end with one item, you're all set, right? Well, if unless you're counting the Zardos DVD. And then, <laughs> then you have two, two items. items. Yes. And I, I Aside from all. the comics. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Speaking of comics, we have another ad. Yes, uh, we have an ad for entertainment this month. Well, since mm-hmm. entertainment this month, of course, which would give us the lowdown on all of that month's would it be for that month or the upcoming months? No, that month. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think know, that month and maybe month the month prior. Yeah. yeah. It, this was for me when you were 10 or 11 this was kind of the lowdown to know this was my this was my uh previews catalog to know yeah. what was coming out like oh, wow absolutely. tomb of dracula number one and two Ooh, 395 well that's kind of a i guess that's a bargain but uh it's too rich for my blood <laughs> so i'm looking at this here and uh excalibur 42 that's 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 a that's a book we're going to be discussing on this very program had a second print? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, that's kind of stunning, isn't it? That is wild. Who who is buying? Who was buying Excalibur? It was so much more expensive. It was it was dollar seventy five. Oh my, that is nuts. Uh, I'll the, do you uh, one better. Looking at this list, how about a NFL Super Pro number one second print? Yikes. <laughs> Yikes! That is insane. Wow. And I mean, these were legit second. These these aren't like today's second prints, you know. Like today, right. like to, like on a Wednesday, a book comes out, and within 20 minutes of the stores going uh, opening their doors, Marvel will or DC will tweet out, "Oh, we're going to second print on this book." It's like how how are you going to second print? It's not sold. 
you know, and and then like a day later, third print. It's like, but but you're insane. They're, they're not selling. What are you doing? And, and like I can go to the comic shop and buy one of each of the three printings for the cover price. Back in the 90s, though, I mean, these second prints were legit. <laughs> yeah, very legit. Very legit. And it was I know from, to my local shop, like hmm. you say, oh, well, we'll get the second printing in in a you know two or three weeks. Well, he probably, whatever book it might be, he might have only ordered six copies of it to begin with. So, it, sure. you know, very small print run. Yeah, it's wild. And and from one of these Entertainment This Month ads is where, uh, where I first heard about Youngblood. It was uh, where they advertised it as a new mutant team. Yeah, and so I thought, like, oh, this is a new X-Men book. I thought maybe it was replacing the new mutants. And uh, no, it's not. It's not that at all. (laughs) It is something altogether different. And uh, yeah, it's a story for a a different day. (laughs) Did you ever place an order from Entertainment this month? No, I did not. No. I, it was no. kind of like a pipe dream, right? Oh, absolutely. It was one of those things, kind of like, uh, kind of like the uh, what is it, the East Coast comics that that's also in this book, where like you'd lay down on the living room floor with like a notepad and you'd you'd write down your your wish list and then you'd hand it to your parents and be like, oh, I want this instead of Christmas, <laughs> and they say, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was the Sears catalog for like really. It was the wish book. It was it the was wish the book. Wish yes, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, instead of wanting like I, I want the USS. Um, flag the flag yeah instead of that i just want you know i want what if 32 can you manage that that's only a dollar 25 not 100 bucks can you manage that no get out of my get out of my face get out of my house you're getting a bill and ted video game and you're gonna like it (laughs) i did i did place one order from does it entertainment this month later become uh like american entertainment or something yes yes by that point i think i had sent away for uh it took like all the money I'd gotten for my birthday to purchase. I think it was like generation X number one and okay. like a generation X preview number yep. one, which was a dollar 50 or something like that. Was it full all size I... or was it an ash can? No, it was full size, but okay. I think it had interviews and sketches. Sure. It was a big disappointment by the time I ended up getting it. I do remember that, but yeah. I was ecstatic to get that generation X number one. Cause with that, holographic Chromium cover or yep. cover yeah excuse me holographic cover it was uh kind of a big deal absolutely yeah no that uh that was one that i actually missed um i was during uh no it wasn't during my time away but i had somehow missed uh generation x number one and uh so uh, for the longest time my you know generation long x long box was just two and then negative one came out so then i <laughs> fixed that but uh yeah, that that's that's those are stories for way down the line yeah that will come back in uh what 2023 we'll be we'll yeah, be talking about yeah. that we'll be we'll be three presidents from now we're gonna, we're gonna talk <laughs> about generation x <laughs> uh we have another ad here for palladium books presents riffs which is a uh some sort of uh multi-genre role-playing game which my eyes would have just lost over this is not uh Hate to say, not not for me. This was not anything no, I would have been no. for me. It's it, the picture here is of one robot punching another robot in the face, and um, you know, growing up in the '80s, you had GI Joe and you had Transformers. I always was uh, a GI Joe kid because I didn't care about robots. You can kill here, a here, robot, me bring too. it back. You know. Yep. So yep. to see two robots fighting, and, and I mean, this is a pretty brutal scene. This, this, this one robot is getting his face destroyed by another robot. And I don't care. 
because he could just rebuild it, you know. Just you get him a you get him like the uh, the upgraded firmware in the head, and it's an it's a he's a new robot. So uh, yeah, not my deal. I'm with you. I'm with you. I was uh, I was also a Joe kid, and Transformers didn't. I was a Gobot kid, so I got, <laughs> I got a lot of flack over that over the years. Come on, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Scooter is way cooler than Optimus Prime. <laughs> Uh, never live that one down. Uh, as you said earlier, our next ad is for East Coast Comics. Uh, kind of the same list, kind of uh, kind of unimpressive list, but it was always kind of fun to look through and go, I don't know about you, this was before the days of Wizard. This was kind of like yeah. my unofficial price guide. Like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you could look through this and, and see if you had might happen to have anything that was worth any kind of money. Yep. Amazing Which, Spider-Man uh, number 300 I, for $42? Yeah. Is that, does that seem high for 1991? I I guess Venom would have been just as hot then as he is now. Sure. Right? Sure, yeah. I, I don't know you. I don't know that you can you can even sniff that for $42 these days. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty wild here. And uh, Days of Future <laughs> Past, $18 for the original issue. I mean, that's, uh, they, there's some wild stuff there's in here. There's some steals in here. Sure. Uh, boy, there's some steals in here. Um, wasn't there, let me see here, a, uh, nope, that must have been a different one I was looking at. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say there was like a new Teen Titans number two in here for, I don't know, it was like $10 or something. Oh, that man. might have been a one I was looking at that at an earlier issue. So never, yeah, every never time I see that every, and it's, it's funny. Cause like I'm missing one issue from new Teen Titans and I'm wish I'm missing one issue from new mutants and they both have to do with a Wilson. <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> And their first names rhyme, so yeah, you know who they are. <laughs> yeah, you know who they are. That's right. Green yeah. Lantern number one, I believe that's a seven dollars. That's the uh, uh, Gerard the Jones artist, or the the yeah, that doesn't say the writer that will remain unnamed, but uh, <laughs> yeah, seven dollars. That's that that seems pretty steep, but that's okay, very steep. That is way <laughs> steep. Goodness Justice me. League Europe number one for six dollars. Uh, that could be found in any any upstanding quarter bin. Well, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll be we'll be generous. Say fifty cent bin. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that there there's some uh, the, the 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 speculation is the bubble is uh, is growing at this point. It's it? growing. That's right. We're not at that fever, that ninety two ninety three fever oh, pitch. That's yeah. uh draped in chromium but we're we're on our way we're on our we way we are getting there yes <laughs> what what's our what's our next uh our next little missive here our next ad is for spider-man for the sega genesis is okay spider-man yeah i believe this is the regular spider-man not spider-man and the sinister six which uh, yeah. these were pretty fun games these were they pretty were. fun games yeah. i did rent these a time or two and they had really cool uh, soundtracks, I remember, too. Like, just mm-hmm. very, like, mm-hmm. very, like, hard rock, uh, you know, tinny hard rock, because it's on the Genesis. But uh, uh, <laughs> but really heavy stuff here, really good stuff. I remember uh, a buddy of mine had this game, and, and it was pretty fun. It was hard. Uh, all games were hard back then, but... Uh, but yeah, this was a this was a good one, and I, and I remember just being blown away by the uh, by the graphics on this one. Mm-hmm. Were you a uh, were you a Genesis or were you a Super Nintendo kid? Which uh, where were, where did your loyalties lie? 
Okay, now that's a loaded question because. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, because I I graduated from my elementary school in 1991, actually this summer, uh, the summer okay. of this book. I graduated from elementary school and uh, I was given a choice of getting a Sega Genesis right then or waiting until the Super Nintendo came out and getting that. Me being a an impatient fool said, give me the Genesis right now. And then uh, in a couple of years, my friends all got Super Nintendos, and I was very, very jealous. And, uh, <laughs> I finally managed to get one. Um, I remember calling flea markets like, hey, I'll trade you my Genesis for a Super Nintendo, and and being you know hung up on many times. <laughs> but uh, it's like, no, no, I'll give you a Genesis and all the games. Just give me a Super Nintendo, but no, no, no. Uh, so yeah, I, I I was both eventually, but I uh, I definitely prefer the Super Nintendo to the Genesis. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I was a Genesis kid, but my my friend down the street had a Super Nintendo, and it's like, oh, you rented Killer Instinct? All right, I'll be right down. Like it seemed <laughs> like all the good stuff came out for Super Nintendo. I, I played a lot of sports games as a kid, and okay. I I did prefer those for the Genesis, but for the yeah. most part. Super Nintendo blew blew it away. Oh, you get all the Mario games, you get the the the, the Square games, the Final Fantasies and Chrono Triggers, and ugh. yeah, it, the Genesis couldn't stack up. No, no matter what they, you know, whatever fantasy star they were up to, just didn't measure up. To, <laughs> to even as the... a kid, even as a kid, you'd usually like defend the one you have. No, I would, I would, <laughs> I, I would yeah, defend I the just Genesis. Couldn't do it. <laughs> no. I think it, I think I came to that realization uh, the Christmas I got uh, I think it was Mortal Kombat three and realized okay. that the, the finishers were way harder to pull off with three buttons rather than four. Oh, they wanted had, you to buy yeah they wanted you to yeah. buy the big arcade stick yeah. No, not not happening. Not <laughs> I'll I'll work on Nightwolf's fatalities as much as I can, but I'm not gonna I'm not buying that that stick. <laughs> Our next ad is the the piece de resistance of the ads in this issue. It is for Club Bo. Mm -hmm. And uh, can I can I read you the the title? I I was I was hoping you would. (laughs) It's a double page spread, and we're getting a good look at on glossy paper. Sporting, yeah, glossy paper, the only glossy paper in the whole Mm -hmm. book. And uh, we're getting a good look at uh, the Bo Club Bo T-shirt which you get when you sign up, which is white and just says bow in a very uh, 1991 font. Yep. And uh, let's read, let's read the the ad uh, text here. One day I was real sad. And my dad said, Hey, here's 17 bucks. Spend it all in one place. So I joined club bow and pretty soon all this stuff showed up in the mail, like a Bo Jackson t-shirt, a gnarly newsletter, a membership certificate and a poster of Bo to go <laughs> on my mirror. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait. 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 So you get a gnarly news, <laughs> gnarly newsletter, <laughs> a poster of. Why would you put a poster on your mirror? I. The only thing I could. Th- I almost couldn't get that out. The only thing I could think is. Is it like? Is it like a? Uh, I wonder if it's any bigger than like the the paper that this that the comic was printed in. You know what I mean? Maybe, Maybe it's not a full size poster, and they're like, "Oh, you put it in your mirror." I wanna, uh, I wanna hope that it is full size. I wanna hope that this kid put it there so he every time he looked in the mirror, Bo looked back, so he thought he was <laughs> Bo Jackson. He was becoming Bo Jackson. 
<laughs> yes, it's all that for 17 bucks. I I get Bebo Jackson for 17 bucks. Now, do you think you I, were you a sports kid, sports guy as a kid? I I was a fan of the 1986 Mets, and then after that, I was kind of done. Where were you at, Bo? I, you know, I thought Bo was cool. I thought he, I mean, he, he is, uh, you know, it might just be my, you know, my memory here, but it's like retroactively, he, he's like as iconic as like Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson of yes. that era. No, you, know? you were, you were absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. He trained, he was kind of like Jordan before Jordan, just, just a smidge before where yeah. he transcended everything. I mean, oh yeah. everywhere loved Bo Jackson. He was the man. Absolutely. He played baseball. And football. And, football. Mm-hmm. and if you played Tecmo Bowl, he was it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're not uh, done reading this. Uh, no, this I'm not. Let me tell you what happened <laughs> after, I, after I joined Club Bowl. After I spent that 17 bucks in one place. Mm-hmm. After I joined Club Bowl, things were completely different. At school, they voted me most cool and most likely to marry Miss Mississippi. And this is followed by a giant smiley face. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm the ambassador to Hawaii. <laughs> you know, that foreign nation of Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have their own seat at the UN, right? <laughs> <laughs> I fly my own helicopter. Yesterday, I bought Italy and a football team. Thank you, Bo. And then uh, you get the the order form that says, are you kidding? Yes, I want to join Club Bo. And then uh, you go on from there. Uh, So, so, you know, so I bought Italy. I I bought a country. (laughs) And and the Steelers, you know. So, Well, I'm under the impression maybe if you bought Italy. Maybe maybe as a soccer team. Included. Maybe, Maybe it was, it was their team. World League team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they threw in the World League team because they were getting ready to, you know, they were getting ready to throw in the tall anyway. So you got, uh, was it, no, that's Spain. I'm not sure if they hadn't, I'm not sure if they had a World team, uh, World League team, but uh, oh, boy, think, think, good things happen when you join Club Bow. I can tell you I, that much. I think we need to get this thing started again. <laughs> we got to, we got to get this thing rolling again. We need, we need Club Bow 2.0. I think <laughs> we can make this happen. <laughs> Just have to believe, right? We <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, Ooh, okay. So what's next? All right, all right. Our next ad is for a um, we have an ad for a Marvel maxi print. Now, what we have here, what we're looking at, are these all over prints that were very the t-shirts, excuse me, printed t-shirts from Marvel that were very popular in that you'd see them all over these comics in the early nineties mm-hmm. that were like, I'm not sure if these ones are, but they were the double sided shirts. We have a, home Oh shirt, yeah. A, Homely. a beast shirt, a uh, city Spidey shirt, as it's called, which has a uh, Spider-Man swinging through, uh, a, a, what would you call that? Like a surprint in the background of like, yeah, uh, like skyscrapers a, and stuff. Yeah. 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 And a Captain America where he a Captain America shirt where he's uh, kind of jumping at yeah, with the uh, the shield hanging out. Now, if if you're if it's 1991, which one of these are are you buying? Would you would you uh, have the hot spot to uh, wear any of these out in public? I, I don't think I mean, 
I'm looking at these and uh, like the thing that comes to my mind is that Razor Ramon T-shirt that uh, that <laughs> WWF put out like in like '94, '95. That big yellow, ugly yellow. shirt. Yellow. Yeah, oh. that 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 I haven't had anything to drink all day. Urine yellow. <laughs> Razor Ramon shirt. Yeah, not oh. not good. No, no, and I, I they these are just not. Uh, they're not. They they don't even do the art justice, you know. They're just not great shirts. And uh, you know, if we look at the print, if, the, if we look at the copy here, these are advertised as the latest mutation in t-shirts. <laughs> I, what is a mutation? Is it supposed to be institution, or did they just misspe- misspell mutation? Mutation. Um, Mu- mute. Yeah, mute. And T-shirts. That's not the only. If you if you go further down, that's not the first. That's not the only like misspelling we have here because it also says to max out your style for minimal bucks. Minimal. Minimal. Yeah. I M U L. Minimal bucks. Do you think this is like? Is this like when you go on eBay? And you go to buy something, and it's clearly from China because there's all sorts of uh, like. <laughs> yeah. um, all sorts of uh, errors in the in the type. <laughs> so so you you think these might be bootleg T-shirts? I don't know. The MR mm. the MRI Corporation. Do you think they're still in business today? Oh boy, we got to find out. Yeah, in Chatsworth, California. Wow. <laughs> yeah, these are these are not. I mean, these are good pictures, but uh, as T-shirts, they're not they're not they're not great. Uh, if, if I was going to buy one of these, I probably would go with the the beast, the beast shirt. In, in 1991, I actually yeah. had uh, at the height of my fandom, I my aunt got me one year uh, a beast hat, which would okay. not, not be cool to wear nowadays. But it had just a big uh, X X logo on the cover on the front mm-hmm. of it, excuse me, and had uh, old uh, Hank McCoy in the middle of it. And I wore that thing to death. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, you know, I've I've never really been uh, a t-shirt guy. Uh, I do actually have a few comic t-shirts that I've just accumulated over the years, but I I don't ever wear them. I, I've, you know, I've got a I've got a Green Lantern one. I've got a I have one with X Men number one's cover on it. Not this X Men number one, the first X Men number one's cover. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think I have like an Inhumans one that Jay Lee did, even though I hate the Inhumans. I had a T-shirt on them because Raven wore it on Nitro one night. Raven, <laughs> the wrestler Raven, wore this shirt on. Uh, he wore it on Monday Nitro, and I thought it was cool, so I bought it. <laughs> well, I'd like to say I don't own any comic book T-shirts, but that I have a like. Oh, this is the Batman pile. This is the this is the villains pile of shirts. This is the <laughs> Marvel pile. I have several piles of shirts that are. <laughs> no, I have to put this in the like DC pile. It's 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 not pretty. I'm I'm wow. a shirt hoarder. There I'm you a shirt go. Hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> our uh, our next ad is for Westfield Comics, who are celebrating 10 years of success. Any idea? Uh, is this is this company still around today? You know, I think they might go by Worlds of Westfield nowadays. Okay. Um, for a little while, I had somehow gotten a subscription to this. I don't know how I got this subscription, but they they just started sending catalogs to my house with your address to me. I don't know how they got my name, my address, or whatever, but they uh, sent me catalogs for Westfield like 
once a month or one or a few times a year for like two or three years and then they stopped so uh, oh nice yeah i don't know i never ordered anything i I didn't even know why i was getting them but uh yeah that uh that's my worlds of westfield story (laughs) that's pretty interesting yeah (laughs) 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 and they are still around they are, in fact, still around. Oh, that's cool. That's yes. cool. I'm, well, I'm glad to hear that. You always want to hear people. You yeah. always want to hear people doing well. You know what I mean? So sure. that would put them in their, boy, almost 40 years in business. Good for them. Good for I'm them. That. That's great. Well, according to Mark Merrill, their service is impeccable. So, you know, and James <laughs> Talbot here says uh, he would be totally lost without them. So it's a good thing they're still around. So James Talbot, he just, of, he's, still, he's still with it. You know, I can understand being totally lost in this day and age with like, where am I going to buy my comics? Like you would, you might not be able to find a comic shop, but in 1991, I think you've got other options rather than Westfield. I think so too. Yeah. (laughs) You you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting a comic shop back then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Much less a a newsstand or something where you could just kind of spin a rack and buy stuff, but I hope J- James M. Telbot is still uh, still doing okay today. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> thanks to Westfield, he is. Thanks, thanks Westfield. <laughs> <laughs> what do we uh, got next? next up? Oh, next up we've got action-packed excitement, dynamic novels by the writer of X-Men, Chris Claremont, and hmm. uh, we've got a couple of pair paperbacks here. We've got First Flight. And grounded. Is this? Uh, have you? Uh, I know you're a Chris Claremont guy. Have you ever read any of these? Uh, any of his uh, books? I tried. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, um, it really when I when I tried reading it, it really wasn't what I was looking for. Um, this is a. Uh, I mean, you just have to look at these covers and know what you're in for. This is a a Chris Claremont book with a with a strong lead, and. Uh, it's it's not x-men you know uh right when i when i wanted to read something from claremont i wanted it to be x-men and this is very much not that um i I couldn't speak for the quality i'm sure people really like these books uh i'm you know just not one of those people next up we've got summer specials we've got our obligatory uh subscription list from marvel you get three titles for the price of two, but just in the blue section. Those must just be the, the yeah. Those are the dollar comics. Don't try to don't think you're getting any of those dollar seventy five books. No, for, you ain't uh, getting Excalibur three, Wolverine here, guys. No, you gotta pay, pay a pretty penny for Excalibur. <laughs> uh, um, so, did you ever have? I'm not sure if I asked this already. Um, have you ever had a subscription to any comic books? No, I've not. Um, no, I've, uh, I've I've subscribed to magazines a few times in my youth, and waited at ba- with bated breath for my Nintendo powers to show up. But uh, I never had a, <laughs> never had a comic book subscription, which uh, yeah, it's weird to think about in retrospect. But uh, yeah, never had one. How, how about and you had your? I know you had your three month X Men run. Uh, did you ha- have any yes. others? You did. Um, I also. Yes, I also had a. This would have been after, uh, would have been just before that. I had a year subscription to Detective. This was okay. from like issue six, I think forty five to 
Uh, well, that would have been six. Uh, well, let me see, forty-five to six, six fifty-seven. It was right before night nightfall started, so I think okay. six forty-five to six fifty-seven was cool. uh, my subscription. And uh, you know, they'd send them in with a quote-unquote backing boards with just like the flimsiest piece of cardboard. It was it was like twelve pack of soda cardboard. Like <laughs> it's not it's not doing any kind of good. I was gonna ask how they came. <laughs> Yeah, that's how they came in. Just a real flimsy bag. I've, I think I've still got a couple of those detectives that are still in the original bag and board, oh, if wow. you want to call it that, which is it's just kind of neat. But um, sure. Uh, uh, between that and the X-Men and uh, before that, when I was uh, probably eight or nine, I had a subscription to WWF magazine for oh, yeah, a couple too. of years, yeah. which. Again, waiting with bated breath for the, those oh, issues to come. Oh, chasing the, mail. the mailman down, yeah. Chasing the mailman, and I will, I will tell you, at later on in life, I strongly, uh, I, I don't know if I'd say strongly, but I, I believe that between the subscriptions that I had as a kid, that led to my decision to, uh, to become a mailman myself. Honestly, <laughs> that excitement of. Uh, that excitement of, of getting those things in the mail, I thought, well, boy, wouldn't that be fun to do for like the next 40 years? And There you go. Yeah, not so much, but uh, <laughs> WWF Magazine led to uh, – and, and X-Men led to uh, – A career. Permanent life choices. <laughs> I, I mean, Long-term day, life choices. Yeah, because your day had so many possibilities before the mailman came, and then <laughs> – when, when they came and went and it, it wasn't there, your day was shot. You were just done. <laughs> and if it was like well, a weekend. You didn't know when this stuff was coming out. Oh, mm-hmm. no, no. We, we didn't get any kind of uh, shipping confirmations or anything. It was just – and you would hope like you would hope it would actually show up in one piece or it wouldn't get put in someone else's mailbox by mistake. And, mm-hmm. oh, man, if Nintendo Power came a week – it was a week past when I usually would get it. <laughs> I, I thought it was done. You know, I was going to put signs up in the neighborhood. Like, did did you get this? Did you get my Nintendo Power? But uh, yeah, we got to make mom, mom. We got to make some calls. We got to make some calls. We got problems here. We got problems. Get the president on the phone. Yeah, just get something because uh, yeah, when you have a subscription, that just becomes your whole life. Uh, it's crazy things. I, I remember. I remember sending away for like mail order stuff too. And they would say, Hey, wait, ten, eight, six to, ten to eight weeks. weeks. And it was yeah, all, weeks. yeah, it was always the full term. But as a kid, you'd think, well, I sent it in three days ago. They must have it by now. <laughs> yep. Maybe you've yeah. It's been almost a week. I think <sighs> maybe it's Uh-oh. here. And it would just, it, it was, it was anti, it, it was just agonizing to, oh, uh, to wait that out. <laughs> when I, when I bought the, uh, when I got the Sega Genesis for my graduation, Toys R Us had a promotion where it's like you get this and you get like a rebate card for a free game. And uh, so I, you know, marched my you know silly self up to the counter and was like, I want that one. And they're like, no, no, you have to mail it in. <laughs> so so I actually had to mail in this card and I ordered um, DJ Boy was the name of the game because it was like six games you could choose. And uh, I thought DJ. W boy because the uh, thing was hard to read. It was very hard to read in the little in the little photostat that they gave us. And uh, so I was looking for D- W boy, and uh, it took it took forever to get. That. <laughs> uh, by the time I got it, I had given up on it coming, so I had rented it and I had beaten it. 
and then it came like <laughs> the next day. <laughs> it's like, this is the worst thing in the world. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I mean, your whole life becomes when you're when you're a little kid, and especially if it's like summertime, and you have something that's supposed to come in the mail. That's just <laughs> it's just agonizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can only man. I mean, it's one thing if I'm waiting to find out like result of WrestleMania five in the mail, which is something I already do anyways. But sure. waiting for a video game to come in the mail, that's that's crazy. Oh, that's like a that's a once in a lifetime thing. <laughs> 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 oh, um, our our next ad is for Three Musketeers Adventure number two in a series, and we uh, we're getting an ad here where. Uh, we got here speaking of uss flag we've got a big like tanker in the middle of Mm -hmm. the mariana trench that uh unearths a a giant three musketeers bar Mm. where Mm. where are you at on three musketeers i like them i like them okay um i i recently uh before i went on on my crazy diet i uh i discovered the uh three musketeers uh birthday cake flavor which Ooh. no no it's a it's uh-uh. it's kind of like a three musketeers with the flavor sucked out of it it's not, not that <laughs> um like the inside instead of it being like that off brown color it's like an off white color and uh oh that, that that sounds unsettling yeah and it's just not not the greatest of uh of uh candy experiences uh, and yeah do i put this in my mouth or do i do grout work in the bathroom with it like it's you, you not could. that doesn't you sound could. great yeah, you could. But uh, generally speaking, I'm okay with Three Musketeers. Yeah, they're not bad. How about yourself? Three Musketeers is that it, it's that candy bar that you like. Well, I'll, sure. What do you got here? The Halloween mix? Sure, I'll eat one of those. But you would never plop down like the dollar twenty nine to buy a full size bar. Like, no, um, no. If I'm, I gotta, I'm buying something with a little bit more substance to it than this. Like I, I don't always, think I've eaten a Three Musketeers bar since I was a kid. As far it was as like always my mom's, uh, my mom's candy bar. It was the Three Musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that was just like the mom candy bar because it was lighter and uh, and uh, it wasn't as uh, wasn't as dense <laughs> as a Snickers or something. But uh, yeah, big on chocolate, low on like additives. There's no nuts <laughs> or anything on it. Yes, it's just very fluffy. <laughs> All right, and lastly, believe it or not, lastly, our last ad, the uh, the back cover to this book, if you have cover A like me, mm-hmm. is for X Men action figures by Toy Biz, and boy, oh boy, <clears throat> I can tell you, we have Nightcrawler, we have Storm, we have Archangel, we have Magneto, we have Colossus, Cyclops, Wolverine apocalypse and juggernaut these toys are fully articulated between five and six inches high each comes with accessories action features and impel trading card plus look for x-men vehicles play sets accessory sets and supersized figures bring home all the action available at kb toys yes these things were awesome (laughs) <laughs> they were they were they and and it's so weird it's when you look at these things now they they, they kind of oh, look go- garbage <laughs> <laughs> they were awesome because you'd never seen anything like it but yeah. conversely they were garbage toy biz was synonymous with garbage toys they were rough they were really really rough and it's uh i, I like i'm looking at this uh at this cyclops here and i'm remembering his what did they call it here uh 
accessory. Uh, his accessory was like this like triangle thing that he held that was supposed to be cerebro. Really? Like it would yeah, it would like latch onto his fists. It was like a two handed thing that came to a point and they called it like a, a cerebro unit. Huh. And it was just oh, it was trash. Uh Nightcrawler has like suction cups on his knees. You can't see them in this in this ad, but uh so you could like stick them to things, I guess. Right, I right. He also had a prehensile tail that you didn't wanna bend too much, otherwise it would snap off. Yes. Oh. I uh, I had Cyclops, but I did not have the Cerebro accessory because I had I had acquired him via trade from my ah. uh, my friend my friend with the deluxe copy of X Men. So I did, <laughs> he screwed he you. Lost that accessory. Yeah, I, I, I think I he held that. on to it. I think he held on to the Cerebro. You can't let that go. <laughs> You're not getting Cerebro. <laughs> no, um, like I, I believe I had multiple storms, um, which had a. Her chest lit up. Now, don't yes. don't get any funny ideas there. She has a lightning bolt on her chest, and you mm-hmm. would push a button on the back, and it would light up. But, boy, I can tell you, we had, in my house, uh, we had two storms. I think I had one, and for some reason, my sister also had one. And those okay. things were so flimsy. I know the button oh, had yeah. broken out of uh, both of them, I think. And, oh, uh, and if you wanted to stand them up, you know, Lord help you. I mean, mm-hmm. she would just, her, her top half would just bend backwards. And uh, I had three of those because I bought the repaints. So they oh. had this one. You have this one, Storm's in black. Uh, he's, she's in a full black outfit with the lightning bolt. Then they did one that was like a like a silver, more like the animated series look. Mm-hmm. I had that one. And then they had a white one. One of them looked like the animated series. It might have been the white one. I don't know. But uh, there was a silver, a gray, a silver, a white, and the uh, the black. And I had all of them because... I don't know. I was stupid. I was just as stupid then as I am now. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, none of them. And I think one of them, the uh, the lightning bolt didn't work right out of the package. I don't remember which one, but one of them it didn't work. And uh, how do you like this Magneto with the magnets on his on it in his palms? Did you, oh, did... I I also had him. He's I could actually if I, I he's he's within like ten feet of me right now. My kids were playing with him, and he <laughs> yes he had the magnetos in it or he had the magnets in his hands, which were did he come with something that would repel them away? Yes. Well, no, he had something that would uh, he had like he had like these little plastic widgets with like little magnets attached to them, so they 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 can like attach to his hand. Yeah. But his hands are in such a way they're in like a karate chop pose. Yeah. So you could make him like do the robot. Like that's about it. Make him. Yeah. Like, oh, look, at let's let's make Eric. uh, Let's let's make him do the safety dance here. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about him is he's got a helmet you could take off. Right. Yes. So uh, and when you do, he looks like he looks like Mr. Rogers. He looks like the the (laughs) kindly old man. <laughs> that you'd see at the dry cleaner or something. He just looks—he <laughs> looks so nice. He doesn't look like a like an evil uh, evil mutant or uh, or a terrorist. He just looks like a kindly old dude. It's <laughs> very off-putting. He doesn't get maniacal until his version two figure. This Wolverine was the pit. Did you did you have this Wolverine? I had I had every X Men figure for like the first six or seven lines. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Even GW yeah. Bridge, huh? You're like even GW Bridge, and uh, you know it's like you feel like you want to spin him for like you spin him at the middle, you know, so his butt's in the front, like it, so it'll look like <laughs> Liefeld art, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, this Wolverine, uh, 
Yeah, it's cool because like these claws actually retract and like latch in, so they don't spring yes. out. Where all the like subsequent ones, the, the, like the claws would just stick out. And uh, so this that ha- this one had that over the other ones, but it's a uh, yeah, it's not the best. No, he just has a weird, very off look to his face. But that's yeah, that was part for the course for for Toy Biz. They sure. were in the business of making crappy toys. They were, they were in Colossus with his uh, weightlifting ability. All it was yes. was uh, you pull a lever on his back and oh weight goes up. That's it. So well, uh, he's got that hand where his right hand where he's ready to like. He can uh, do a fastball special, I guess. I guess, or he can like you know he can give you a physical too. He's got this like cup hand. <laughs> Turn your head and cough. Yes. Yeah, Doctor Doctor <laughs> Rasmutin's in the house. Let me uh, <laughs> check your prostate. <laughs> Oh boy, but uh, yes, that was X Men Volume Two, Number One. So a uh, little bit of a recap attack here. Magneto is a uh, he's assaulted, or a, 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 he said he was assaulted, but he was really just visited by uh, by mutants who wanted to take refuge under his uh, under his watch and uh, adhere to his lifestyle, to which he says he no longer has. Um, they blow up some ships over Soviet airspace, which might cause an international incident, which prompts Professor X to break the X-Men into two teams. The blue one, we're going to go after Magneto, and they do so. Uh, they slash him in the stomach, but uh, he gets better. Fabian Cortez is a douchebag, and he talks Magneto into becoming a villain again. Sort of, kind of, maybe. Uh, Asteroid M becomes a sanctuary for all mutants, which... You know, that feels like a story that they do a lot. I not thought just the same thing. M. Not mm-hmm. just Asteroid M, but just in general. They have these mutant sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. I, I can think of, like, even now, even now in the current Dawn of X run, they're all living on Krakoa. It's a mutant sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just seems like that's a well they've gone to pretty often uh, ever since this. Even in the last decade, they had moved to, what, San Francisco? Yeah, then they moved to Utopia. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's something that they, they go back to a time or two, and uh, we're still feeling it even today. But uh, Magneto has an invite to everybody who wants to be saved, and, uh, well, we know that's not going to happen, so we will... Uh, <laughs> We will visit. We will visit that the next time out. Uh, are there any plugs you want to give? Um. Yes, I'll be appearing at Caroline's. Uh, I'll be over the Ice Factory. Boozler, um, January twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Uh, make sure. Uh, yep, you can get tickets and. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, I, tip, I don't have any plugs, Chris. Tip the veal. All I got going on. <laughs> tip the veal. Uh, try the waitress. And, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, no plugs. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, RegalFan, uh, and uh, that's that's about it. I got. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me to do this. Oh, I'm looking forward certainly. to it. I will say I I really enjoyed this issue. I, I enjoyed talking to it, talking to you about it. Uh, it's the first time I think I had revisited this thing in probably 25 years, and I'm really looking forward to uh, going through this run and uh, um, just uh, reigniting that that excitement I I had had for uh, the X-Men as a kid. This awesome. is this is that's, great stuff. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's uh, this is going to be a good time going forward. And uh, 
and uh, we will have you back next time to talk about X-Men number two, another another one of those iconic books as an iconic cover mm-hmm. that I, I remember a friend of mine and I got into an argument about. But we'll we'll talk about that next month. <laughs> uh, <laughs> till then, we will head to the next book. X-Men, X-Men, this is the day, this is the day, X-Men.